Hello, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming that all of our listeners know everything there is to know about the twisties and metal recycling. I'm Rachel, typically your baseball guru, but uh, this week we are doing a, a lap, uh, an Olympic wrap-up, uh, and I am joined by my co-hosts uh, in the more orange room. I think that's you, Nancy. That's that's you. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't narrow it down. Uh, hi, I'm Nancy. I'm usually your <laughs> basketball enthusiast. And guess what? I can be enthusiastic about basketball in the Olympics. That's true. And I'm Rebecca, and I will be enthusiastic about hockey in the Olympics next in spring. In the winter? When it's the winter. <laughs> yeah. In six, six months, months. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could continue to be excited about baseball in the Olympics, but I, I kind of wasn't. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, so we're kind of going to take this, I think, sport by sport today. Uh, a little bit of organization for us, but... Uh, we're going to just test it tell out. What, why don't why don't <laughs> we start with what I think is going to bring the most... Uh, how should I put this? The biggest issues. Uh, let's start with gymnastics. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Nancy, I think you have some feelings on this one. Well, I mean, I should make you specify whether you're talking about artistic gymnastics or rhythmic gymnastics, because I did watch both, uh, and there were some controversies in the rhythmic gymnastics. Uh, but I think what you're actually talking about is Simone Biles. So let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to start with our with the rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> Let's hear about those score inquiries. What was up with that? <laughs> I can't tell if you're serious or not. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Halfway. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, rhythmic gymnastics then. And you know what? We'll get back to Simone Biles. So rhythmic gymnastics has long been dominated by uh, the Russians called whatever they're called in various Olympics. In this case, they were being called the Russian Olympic Committee. Uh, and they have a pair of twins, Dina and Arena Averina, which just seems cruel. Wow. I mean, are those stage names? Those no, sound very stage names. I don't name-y. think so. I think those are, I mean, I could be wrong, but I just, I get the matching twin names thing. Like it's a thing. Like there were also, there were three sets of twins in artistic gymnastics as well including uh, a Jessica Jennifer duo. So like, I oh, get it. Oh yeah, I did It's see a them. thing. Um, there were Belgian twins, British twins, and I want to say either Netherlandish or, or Italian twins. I can't remember who the third set was. And then there were the Russian twins in uh, the Russian twins in the rhythmic gymnastics. Um, and they were heavily favored to win, but they didn't. Um, <gasps> the competitor from Israel beat them both and one of them uh screwed up in her ribbon routine and didn't even medal at all and it was actually really hard to watch because it's one of those where it's like i mean they're like 17 or something you know they're they're yeah they're They're babies teenagers yeah they're babies and i can't imagine the pressure of like okay everybody before you has done this for the last you know several decades or decade and a half or whatever don't you screw this up now and then you do yeah like you don't take gold and one of you doesn't even medal especially when your home country is russia yeah yeah. i mean honestly you're not wrong i think they're less bad about that than they used to be um 
one but who hopes. knows? Yeah, one one hopes. I actually did um, see one of the um, one of the performances by the woman from Israel. Yeah, and she was, she was good. incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she clearly won. You know, like she clearly performed. It was not just like it, it wasn't that anybody thought she shouldn't have won. Right. But but it was just a big upset. It was well, it was more than that. Um, OK, for the twin who got silver, which I think was Dina, uh, they did. It was very close, like hundredths mm-hmm. of a point. And so the the Russian Olympic Committee head guy uh asked for an and there was an inquiry in the moment you know the coaches can submit an inquiry uh into the technical score for for dina to basically say she should have been scored better Mm -hmm. and they denied it at the time um but then i guess the russian olympic committee head guy was was going to ask for a further inquiry into the scoring you know, and who knows mm-hmm. if that's just sort of like him posturing mm-hmm. or if they really genuinely think something went wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but you could tell. I mean, it, it's it's always a tough situation, I think, because like the the Israeli winner did a terrific job. Everybody's very happy for her. I'm sure there's a bit of schadenfreude with all the other gymnasts who like also really <laughs> wanted to see the Russians get beat. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um but, you know, she tried to be very gracious. She went over and hugged one twin. The other twin was just, like, not interacting with anybody. And so, you know, like, tried to make nice, but it was it was awkward. And one of them was yeah. kind of having a meltdown, which, like, you can't blame her for it. So I don't know, man. It was it was a big deal. There was a to-do. Wow. It was a yeah. whole thing. I, I missed all of that. I watched a little bit of the team um, mm-hmm. competition, and they were kind of referencing it. And... Just about every team after they went had an inquiry. Mm-hmm. Like they just they automatically can we get more points for this, and it really slowed down wow. the pace of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you know I don't think they were penalized at all. So there was really no you know nothing to lose mm-hmm. in doing the inquiry after every right. time. But a bunch of them it just said no change. Like there was there was no change to the right. score. So I figured something had gone on in the individual events, and Nancy, you had alluded to yeah. some drama. Well, then, but at that point, there were so many events going on that I, I didn't get to watch the, the rhythmic. But mm-hmm. it's still online, so I may watch some of it. It is, and I want to go watch the team events, because I didn't manage to catch those. I just caught the individual. Which, I gotta say, I enjoy watching rhythmic gymnastics, but the two takeaways I had were, first of all, I wish they didn't throw things as much. Like there's this whole part, like with the ribbons and the clubs, especially where they throw them really, 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 really high in the air. And like, I get that it's impressive that you can toss it up and do three spins and then still catch it, Mm -hmm. but it's not much fun to watch. Like it's way more fun to watch them like twirling or twisting. Yeah, exactly. So I was just like, okay, do like two high tosses (laughs) and call it a day, you know? (laughs) But, I mean, it was like every other move was like fling the thing really, really, really high up there and then flip around three times. And I'm like, eh, I, I get it in terms of technical difficulty, but as a viewer, it right. wasn't as good. Um, yeah, it, it works better in the uh, the group things because yeah. I saw the, the ball and the, the uh, mm-hmm. hoop and, and club and that works because, you know, they're tossing it to each other. That makes sense. Bouncing the ball off each other. It's pretty, yeah, pretty impressive. But yeah, when it's just one person, it's a little less fun to watch. Yeah. And then uh, 
the other thing that just gets me is like absolutely no shade to rhythmic gymnastics because I totally am on board for it being an Olympic sport, but I don't understand how you have rhythmic gymnastics and artistic gymnastics and not acrobatic gymnastics because, oh my goodness, like that should be an Olympic sport, but that's my own personal soapbox. So, I mean, this podcast is your own personal soapbox, so. (laughs) That's an excellent point. Thank you for that, Rebecca. Go for it. (laughs) Acrobatic gymnastics should be an Olympic sport, damn it. (laughs) Well, you should write a letter. I will. Strongly worded on my best stationery, damn it. If it's not practiced in enough countries or something? I don't know. I mean, maybe. I have no idea. I don't even know if there's like an actual push to get it included or not, but it's just, I mean, I feel like it should be. If we're going to have fucking golf in the Olympics, come on, <laughs> come on. They're going to have break dancing in Paris. Okay, so that's cool, So I figure cool, you though. probably For have real? a... Yeah, that's one of the sports <laughs> that's going to be in Paris. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, you know, this goes back to the whole conversation of what is a sport. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I don't in any way mean to diminish the talent or abilities of people who can break dance. Right. right. Like, yeah, that's it. That's an that's intense the... skill that you have to it's practice a physical activity long yes. and hard for. Sure. But I don't think it's a sport. Yeah. That's the problem with that discourse at all, because mm-hmm. in calling something a sport, you legitimize it. And it's like, no, that's not really, it's just a classification. Well, and it opens issue. up a, a, a door too, right? Like if break dance, why not literally every other kind of dance, right? Yeah. Like why not flamenco? Mm-hmm. Why not ballet? Why not, you know, mm-hmm. swing? Like what makes break dance different? More quote unquote sport like than the, the rest. Maybe it's the acrobatics. Like, I don't know. I mean, Still. have you seen swing dance? Cause... <laughs> okay, good point. Good point. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, that'll be fun. Anyway, Simone Biles. So that was rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to artistic gymnastics. Artistic gymnastics. Uh, so Simone Biles, in case you somehow have not heard, um, had to withdraw from the majority of the events that she was scheduled to compete in in the Olympics due to a very poorly timed case of the twisties, which is a word that I had never heard before. And I think anybody who is not a diver or a gymnast had probably not really heard before, but became very popular in the last two weeks. And basically it's when somebody who is in a sport, which involves a lot of flipping, kind of loses their internal gyroscope. Yes, Rebecca. Is it, a lot of flipping or twisting? It's, it's genuine it's question. Cl- no, no, it's it's primarily twisting, but flipping can also be involved because especially in gymnastics, they're so often combined. Yes. Um, so she was looking... She's So Simone Piles has been very public about a lot of mental health struggles. Um, she is well-known to be a... Um, survivor of the terrible sexual abuse committed by Larry Nasser and, you know, aided and abetted by USA Gymnastics. She has spoken out about that. Um, she also has ADHD and is medicated for it, um, which I don't know if we want to, I mean, obviously it's not in the same category as sexual abuse, but it is something that like you have to deal with as a regular sort of mental health issue. Well, and, exactly. Yeah. Well, and additionally, going to this Olympics, the medication she right. takes for ADHD are not legal in Japan. 
Yes. It, it, so that's... Did you find a source backing that up? Because I saw that, and I, I didn't find any, like, news source reporting that. And I just wanted to make sure that was... I mean, did you... I didn't specifically look for, you know, like I didn't Google Japan's medication laws, but I saw it in a lot of places from fairly strong, from people who would know, I would think. So, I I mean, I did not do the research, so I can't back it up. But I had also heard that she had had to go off her medication because it was not legal. And in fact, that most ADHD meds are not legal in Japan, uh, which... I feel like I would like to know more about how that affected her. Yes, Rebecca. So there's a BBC yes. article that, that talks about this that says the claims that she was unable to take her ADHD meds are unfounded. Mm. Um, it is true that Japan bans some drugs used for ADHD, but there are special exemptions for athletes competing in the Olympics. Oh, interesting. Um, but Team USA told the BBC that the medication is not true because she wasn't even using it. Interesting. So I wonder if she went, if she wasn't using it because she had gone off it because she was going to go to Japan or something like that. Because I know she has been on medication before. Right. Well, and maybe, maybe she is on a medication, but the one in question was the one. Right. Yeah. In any case. Good good point, Rachel. Yeah, no, Thank it's Thank you true. for questioning that. It's a good that. question. I just wanted to, wanted to yeah. make sure that we got mm-hmm. backing on No, that. I appreciate it. Um, so she got the twisties, and a thing that I think got... And, and the what happened was they were doing the team competition first, and she had looked not great in warm-ups and podium training. Uh, but everybody... She did the qualifying, right? She got through she the qualifying She got through rounds, the qualifiers, right? but again, didn't, you know, was looking a little shaky. Um, and then she did her first vault for the team competition and did a very simple vault and barely landed it. And it was really scary to watch because you could see her looking around while she was in the air. So if you go and watch the vault, you know, if you if you watch gymnasts or divers or anybody who does this sort of thing, you can see them spotting things. So if you're on the beam, you spot the beam. They're always looking. Anytime they flip backwards, their head immediately goes back and their face faces the beam. That's how we get those photographs where they're like upside down, but their face is looking down at the beam, even though their body is sort of vertical in the air. Because right. they're always looking for the Because they're always... Floor. Exactly. You're always looking to land. If you're a diver, it's the pool, right? You're always looking to spot the water. Um, And if you can't, it makes it exceptionally hard to land. And that's the problem with the twisties is that you get lost in the air and you can't tell which way is up, which way is down, where you are in your rotations. So she did this very simple vault, um, landed it, not well, but landed it, which from everything I was reading from people who are actual gymnasts online, that was remarkable in of itself. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of, of you know, high level gymnasts who basically said if anybody else had, had had that happen, we'd have been looking at a broken leg because they wouldn't have landed it on their feet right. and they might right. have fallen off the side or hit the platform or, or you know. Yeah, And I think the, it's also important to note that it wasn't just that she did a simple vault. is She was supposed to be doing right. a very complicated vault a very and complicated simplified vault. it 
you know, right. midair. Yep. In the moment. Midair. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was in warm ups, right? It wasn't in the actual no. event. No, it was in competition. Oh, it was in the actual yeah. event. Okay. Yeah. 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 So and it was interesting. The commentators. I didn't watch it live, but I saw the the commentary feed, and you could, the commentators immediately were like, "You could tell she didn't know where she was." Yeah, in the God, air, so she scary. looked like she was lost. Yeah, everybody so who scary. knew what they were watching was immediately alarmed. Um, and she, she then immediately went over and talked to her coach, and pulled out. And the U.S. team then went ahead and won silver and performed very well and held up under pressure and put in really solid performances. And a couple things that I really was screaming on our Twitter account a lot about um, the first few days is that, you know, on the one hand, first of all, there was tremendous outpourings of support for her. And, And I think that deserves to be mentioned because I feel like even you know, four years ago, it would not have been the same, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like our culture is really progressing quickly on these issues in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. which I think is tremendous. And so tons of other athletes came out and said, she did the right thing. I wish her all the support. Mm -hmm. This was a, you know, good for her. Same across the wide internet media, for the most part, you know, said, you know, she did, she's making the right choice, mental health first, you know, all of these things. But um, well, and, and additionally, there were enough um, people like you've talked about gymnasts, divers right. who came out to say, no, listen, the twisties are mm-hmm. really fucked. You can and hurt dangerous. yourself. Yeah. Right. That I really think serious. I think that helped the narrative that she did the right thing. I agree. And that was one of the things I think in the first couple days before she kind of acknowledged that that was what was happening, I feel like I was seeing lots of, well, why doesn't she just push through this? And I do feel like there was a real pushback from actual athletes and actual commentators saying, you can't. This is not, you can't push, this is a known condition that affects other people. Yeah, it can be caused or exacerbated by stress or depression or any of these other issues. But it's not but you safe can't, to push through it. Right. You can't just decide to not have the twisties. And if you do have them and you try to do the things that Simone Biles does, you're, you very likely might die. Right. Like this is not you might sprain your ankle. This is not you might even belly flop into the pool. No, this this is, is you might literally break your neck. Yeah. Right. So I think that kind of got across after you know, the first few days. Yeah. Um, because she kept, she not only pulled out of the team event, but she then pulled out of three of the four individual events, apparatus events, and also the individual all around. And, and I think the fact that she didn't just sort of like pull out of the team event, uh, and then sort of like come back for the individual events. I think that in a weird way helped yeah because i think it gave people like no this is serious and this is still ongoing it's not like she could just take a valium and be fine you know um yeah so she stayed out there to cheer for everybody which i thought was really impressive yeah Yeah. and and that was the other piece of it was there was a lot of criticism about well this is simone biles letting down the team and i thought that was you i mean i mean i know you but but also too but it, it it shows a real fundamental lack of understanding of team sports i think because first of all if she had continued to try and perform she would have brought down everybody's score like her 
not participating gave them a better chance than her participating would have in this case. And it actually requires a level of selflessness to say, if I try to push through this, I'm going to make everything worse, not only for myself, but for my teammates. I agree. And I think it also shows that she's cognizant of the impact she has, because can you imagine if she had gone and said, okay, I'm going to do another vault and then had got injured. That's literally all anybody would have talked about for the rest of the gymnastics competitions, Mm -hmm. right? It would have not only taken the entire focus off of everybody else, but it also would have scared and upset her team much more than just saying, Hey guys, I can't do this right now. I'm so sorry. You have to go on without me. I mean, you know? it also it also speaks to the way that the U.S. gymnastics team organizers need to plan themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because so much of the narrative around that team was, well, the team's going to win gold because Simone right. is going to get knockout scores that undo any mistakes that anyone else does, which is yep. an unfair burden to place on Simone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, yeah. and it and it. I mean, there's, there is absolutely nothing like shameful or to be depressed about silver. Like, right. No, except, except if you're in America where only gold matters. (laughs) Um, So, so I don't mean that as, as, you know, a slight to her teammates, but no, not at all. But like USA Gymnastics needs to come up with a better strategy than put Mm -hmm. all your eggs in Simone Biles basket. Yeah. And I apologize for that. Well, that's the thing about like, because gymnastics is kind of a team sport and kind of not yeah it's interestingly both yeah and and i think i don't remember if it was suni lee or if it was someone else on the team came out and at at one point in the aftermath and basically said and and literally the quote was we didn't get silver we earned silver yeah and i thought that was a really good quote um because even without Simone Biles and even with her one vault that she got a terrible score on, they, the U S women got silver and it was a hard fight and, and they didn't get beaten by a lot. You know, it wasn't like they got blown out of the water. They didn't, they were still, you know, they earned silver. And then of course, Suni Lee went on to win the individual all around gold. Um, Jade Carey got the women's floor individual apparatus gold, uh, uh, Simone came out and got bronze on the beam, mm-hmm. which is terrific. Um, and uh, Suni also got a bronze. I can't remember in what now, though. On bars. Was it bars? She got bronze? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's like, clearly they're all still good. <laughs> and Michaela Skinner got silver yes. on vault. I th- mm-hmm. So literally everybody who went with the U.S., whether they went as an individual competitor or went with the team, got a medal. Like, yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's Other countries dream of that success, yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's, yeah. So Simone Biles, she's amazing. She's still the GOAT. I can't, I, I was losing my mind at people being like, well, I guess that's it. She's not very good anymore. I was like, oh, I just. <sighs> yeah, I, I wonder a lot about that, about like, you know, even if it the, the twisties hadn't happened and all this, like, what's it like to when it's your competition to lose, you know? And I was thinking about that a little bit with um, the baseball all-star game Mm. and the home run derby where Mm -hmm. everybody was expecting um, uh, Shohei Otani to blow everybody else out of the water. Mm -hmm. And he was great, but 
what it takes to win a home derby, home run derby versus what it takes to hit a home run in a baseball game are two very different things. Right. And like, yeah. And I don't know, just to have like all that expectations and like the weight of a whole nation on your shoulders. I can't imagine. And, it's yeah. insane. Like it's, it's absolutely insane. And when anything less than perfect is going to get you. Right. Yeah. Reamed out. Yeah. And, you know, and Simone Biles handled all of it with just impeccable grace. I mean, yeah. just, and has the whole time, like everything. Because heaven knows, you know, at every world competition and at the Rio games, like she's always, you know, she's she's the bar by which everybody is judged. Um, and, and, and there's lots of issues with how she's judged. Um, yeah. And how she's underscored and, and her, her skills are underrated. Um, literally yes. underrated yeah. in in the code of points, like not metaphorically. <laughs> um, well, and, and you're right, Nancy. She did handle it with an incredible amount of grace. And like, we should acknowledge that, but she also shouldn't yep. have to handle it with grace. No, absolutely. She's what, yeah. 23? 24. She's 24? Like, I'm sorry. I was not that mature when I was 24. And I've been 40 since I was 15. Right. Like you're you're I'll at the you. you're at the pinnacle of your sport. Like this is a thing that you've been looking to, looking mm-hmm. forward to for five years in this case. Like mm-hmm. it's not gonna be easy for her to do that, to pull out no matter what. No. And she shouldn't Absolutely. have to do it with grace. She should be able to yeah. be like, This fucking sucks. Like I yeah. really wanna be here. Yeah. I wanna do yeah. this. But, right. you know, because she's a woman, because she's a black woman, because she's mm-hmm. on this international stage, she mm-hmm. can't be like that. Otherwise, she's going to yeah. get judged for being too emotional. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, everything you're saying is correct. I, I brought it up as a testament mm-hmm. to her to her strength and ability yes. to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I, and, and I thought, and I don't know if she meant it this way or if this was how I would have meant it if I were her giving this interview. But she gave an interview after she got the bronze on beam and they asked her about it because um, her dismount in an effort to deal with the twisties was a very, very straight, just flipping. There was any twist. There was no twist at all. Yep, exactly. Two flips backwards, um, holding her legs, which apparently reduces your ability to turn in the air anyway. So like, keeping her very, very clear to the ground. And they asked her about it. And she said, first of all, like, you know, the bronze meant as much to her as any other medal to, you know, as any of her golds, because it was so hard to get out there and do it this year. And then she said, and you know, and I did it with a dismount that I haven't done since I was like 12 or 13. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought to myself, if I were saying this, this would be a, very subtle sort of yes and i still am third best right (laughs) and she may be nicer than i am she may not have meant it that way (laughs) but i laughed i was like yep yep Mm -hmm. doing a dismount you haven't done in the last 10 years since you were a literal (laughs) tiny child you you are still the third best in the world all but two other people well done simone well done (laughs) So, so that's artistic gymnastics. I mean, I don't know that I need 
that we need to say much more there other than we love and support Simone Biles and she's amazing. Um, I am, I guess the other things I want to say about artistic gymnastics, I was super happy, happy for Suni Lee. If you yes. didn't get a chance to watch her performances, they were spectacular. Amazing. Yeah. And one of the things that they kept saying about her, the two things they kept saying about her, and I loved both of them, was first of all, she's very cool under pressure. She's clearly able to like, adapt as she goes which is such a crucial skill especially at a high level like that if she screwed up something she would then just immediately like keep going and figure out what to do next um and the other thing was just like how strong she is the beam this year was just completely cursed and people kept falling off it and the commentators yeah. were all talking about how like how hard it is to stay on the beam and how if you get your shoulders too far back, it's just all over because you can't rebalance your center of gravity and all of these things, right? And then Suni Lee gets up, literally almost falls backward off the beam and like literally hangs on by her toes. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, it was incredible. yeah, you're not, you're not supposed to be able to do oh. that. <laughs> it's those wolf the turns. It, the wolf turns, but it was another thing, too. She also, like, just, she switched feet at one point to stay on. It was a standing skill where she, like, lost her balance, did, like, a like a hot potato sort of double step, and didn't fall off. <laughs> and they were just like, that's, that's not possible. That possible. You can't, yeah. So I just, I found that delightful, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, she's so strong. She's so smart. And... and those are things I always get a kick out of in a competitor, I guess, you know, just that ability to yeah. like, if you're not perfect to still be like able to keep going mm -hmm. and to make it work, I think is mm -hmm. terrific. Um, Wait, can I, can I use that as mm -hmm. a real quick segue and make a left Please. turn into climbing? By all means, <laughs> do Please. it. So I watched uh, only the men's lead climbing event and I watched all of the women's climbing events and it was... Yeah. It was so cool to watch. But the thing yeah. that broke my heart every time, because I'm used to seeing things like gymnastics and track where if you make a mistake, you get up and you start again, right? Oh, yeah. And in yeah. the speed climbing events and in lead climbing, if you fall off mm -hmm. the wall, you're done. Right. The, you uh, fall off the wall, you fell off the wall, you do not get to start over. The only event yep. where you do is the boulder like the, the yep. bouldering where you have a set amount of time to try as many times as you want. And so when these women are like, I mean, they're, they're incredible. The, the toe strength and grip strength and oh. arm strength and the, it's like, bonkers. you really can see them like problem solving, but every mm -hmm. time somebody fell off the wall, it just broke my heart yep. Yeah, because yeah. that was it. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you for taking us into climbing, Rebecca, because I did want to talk about that one, too. I really enjoyed watching that. Yeah. Um, I, too, watched all of the women and then some of the men. Um, I want to try and go back and watch some of that. But mm -hmm. um, I thought it was really interesting, just as you described it. I thought you did a good job with our primer. Yeah. I, I knew what I was thank watching <laughs> as I watched it. Same. Um, I will say, and these are probably, you know, originally I'm sure the these competitions were not designed to be filmed on and, and broadcast around the world, but I thought like, like the the filming of it 
kind of did it a disservice to how difficult these walls were. Yeah. Because just looking at it straight on, yeah. it kind of looked, you know, flat and like, okay, mm-hmm. these things are, are up against the wall and why doesn't this person just put their foot there? And then, you know, the camera swings around to the side and you realize, oh, it's at like a 35 degree angle mm-hmm. to yeah. perpendicular and they can't put their foot there because it would like, Cause that's, that's upside air. down to yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I have to say it wasn't what I was picturing, because I was picturing, you know, when you talked about holds, actual things you could hold on to and not, you well, know, yeah. a Cheeto riveted to the yes. wall. And you're supposed to try to, to hang your entire body weight uh-huh. off of that. So that was really impressive. Yeah. Or like a lump on the wall. Yeah. There's just a lump there and you've got to brace your entire weight against yeah. it. When I was watching the bouldering finals, I couldn't help but keep thinking about the conversation that we had where it was like assumed that everyone would reach the top mm-hmm. yeah because like how do you break the tie if they all re- and then only like only yanya garnbrett is the one who like right made she's more than one top she was fucking she incredible was, yeah yeah like the clear winner yeah. <laughs> there i also i gotta say though i really fell for nonaka miho i really yes. liked her yes. me so too. much yeah, yeah she's i great. think i think it was because of her hair <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was partially it, but she also just, like, seemed, like, she had a really good attitude, it seemed like. Like, she yeah. was just out there to have, like, a good time and do hard, and then, like, yeah. would laugh a lot, yeah. and yeah. I don't know. Like, I really liked her. Yanya, though, was, like, clearly just a head and shoulders above everybody else, though. It was I mean, so between, yeah, between, um, for people who didn't watch, Yanya ended up winning the gold medal for the women's mm-hmm. uh, sport climbing. First ever gold medal in sport mm-hmm. climbing. Um, and there were four boulders in the qualifiers and three in the finals. And she topped on six of those seven boulders. Mm-hmm. She only yeah, didn't and in the- reach the top on the last one in the final. And she was just like, I'm done. Like she mm-hmm. had already, she had already tied up the win in that particular event. And she wasn't going to get any more from getting to the top. Mm-hmm. So she said, goodbye. Yeah, and in that final, I think only one other climber got a top. I think that's right. Uh, the, the U.S. climber got it on, on the on the second one. The second, yeah. Uh, just just so impressive yeah. seeing her, you know, solve those problems. Yeah, and uh, d- you know, did the same in lead. She yeah. she won both yeah. the lead and the bouldering mini events handily and uh it was so interesting seeing the difference between um climbers who were clearly speed climbers Mm -hmm. and climbers who were clearly you know leader bouldering Mm -hmm. climbers Mm -hmm. well and in paris those are now going to be two separate events there's going to be a speed climbing event and then there's going to be a combined lead and bouldering nice good i was so happy because the 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 woman who won the speed pretty handily i think made a world record yes. yeah she came in last in both lead and boulder yeah. and so but i was so happy that she set that world record because you could tell you know when she did it like that was her olympics yeah. right there right. yeah that she was, was her she goal. was i'm sure went into it knowing that she probably wasn't going to be able to win gold not yeah. specializing in two out of three events yeah so i was really happy to see her set that, that world record yeah Miroslav. Yeah. And okay, that, yes. Thank you for knowing the names. And that record is going to hold. Like, that's a world record and an Olympic record. Like, that's yeah. cool to set the first, you know, world record and Olympic record at the Olympics. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, the other part of it I really enjoyed was before the bouldering and before the lead climbing, all of the athletes getting out there and looking at the wall, mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at the problems, and then, like, 
talking to each other about how they would solve it, how they would mm-hmm. climb it. Like mm-hmm. that just, it was just such a lovely display of sportsmanship, camaraderie, sportspersonship. <laughs> um, because you don't have to do that. You don't, you don't have to talk to your opponents about how to climb the wall. Right. But they like, they seem like a genuine community and they seem like they just want to compete against people who are also competing re- at a really mm-hmm. high level. And so I really enjoyed seeing that. Yeah, that's one thing that I try to keep in mind is that, like, it's not like all these people just go back to their countries afterwards and never see each other. Like, they see each other throughout the the year in national competitions. And when they're not competing against each other, some of them are friends. Yeah. Some Some of of them them are engaged. engaged. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So that was sport climbing. I think we all enjoyed watching that. Um, Okay. Rebecca, I've got a question for you. A cycling question for you. So I unfortunately did not get to watch much cycling. Um, I did happen to catch the men's gold medal race in the Kieran event, which was an indoor cycling event with six finalists. Um, I will describe to you what I saw and you can help interpret it, please. So six dudes on bikes uh, getting warmed up around the the middle of the the track running you know going in in uh laps with a very unbothered looking japanese man on a bike in the lead i just kind of pacing them so they can get up to speed and i'll tell you that that nice looking japanese man or bored looking however you described him on the bike um his bike would have had a motor in it which is why he looks so chill (laughs) so So he's like he's like pedaling at a little rate but there's a motor in there to make him go as fast as they can go. Because he's okay. he's pacing them to get them up to a very high speed. Right. So, so not himself a top-level How smug level does athlete. that make you feel? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't feel smug. I would be so fucking terrified that I was going to, like, somehow lose my balance, knock one of them off. Like, I would be terrified. I would be holding on to that thing with dear life. I would so, just be like, yep, I got a motor, suckers. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he just looks so like, like, this is my day job. Yeah. Like, this uh-huh. is just, this is just a thing. Well, you know what? You it know? might be his day job. Yeah, might be. <laughs> Ride the little electric bike around. Yeah. Anyway, so all the competitors are in a single file line behind him as they all get up to speed. And then he peels off after a certain number of laps and the race begins. And I think it's four laps till the end. Well, the British guy who was in front just takes off as soon as the guy peels away. And the other five just kind of clump together and go a little bit further. And, you know, they eventually kind of break up and and a little bit and try to, you know, jockey for position. But at this point, the British guy is like half a lap ahead of everybody else. And he stays that way for the whole race. And clearly won the race, won the gold, was quite a bit ahead of the, the silver and bronze finishers. And there was there was pearl clutching, both by the commentators <laughs> and by the competitors kind of looking around like they couldn't quite believe that he'd done that. So And as someone who knows nothing about the race and was just sort of like, Man man went fast on bike, man won bike race. Um I, I don't understand what the, the issue is. He he you know, why didn't everybody else just Right Bike off as fast as they possibly could as soon as the other guy peeled off. So please, Rebecca, explain to me what I watched. (laughs) So you did explain it very well. I think there are six laps total. The the, um, motorbike leads them on three, and then they have three laps to go as fast as possible. Okay. Um, 
I believe, though, that they only take the time of the last two laps, which is why that it might look sense. like four and two. Anyway, so I didn't see this race, but I've been reading about it since you mentioned having a question about that specific race. And so I think the pearl clutching was not about, um, oh shoot, what's his name? Uh, Jason Kenny, who's the guy from um, Great Britain. It's not about the fact that he won. It's about how the Australian track cyclist, Matthew Glatzer, um, how he like orchestrated, for lack of a better word, the race behind um, oh, okay. Jason Kenny. So Kenny is a six-time Olympian, six-time gold medalist, I believe. Jeez. Um, so he's yeah, he was, like, he was real good. Yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> everybody knew he was going to be real good. Um, the Brits make a real good track cyclist, by the way. Um, so, um, so the 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 Derny, that's the the guy on the motorbike. Uh, uh-huh. He pulled off, and. Glatzer was second in line. So it was Kenny who won the gold and then Glatzer. And so right when the journey pulls off, like this is when the real strategy starts Mm -hmm. and they should all be watching each other to see who's going to make a move and when, because part of the strategy of a sprint is not to make the move first. Cause usually if you make the move first, you get caught because other people work together and get around you. But if you can, like... Well, not the, the British guy, but is he kind of... Because he's so good, he's kind of the exception? Well, well, but, yeah. I, but I get the sense that what happened was Glatzer was paying more attention to the guys behind him mm. than Kenny in front of him. So by the time he and everybody else realized that Kenny had a lead, it was too late for them to do anything about it. Okay. So Glatzer should have been more aggressive and paying attention to Kenny in front of him rather than the guys behind him. And did he screw everything up for the guys behind him? Too? That's, that's what the, the conversation seems to be. Um, okay. So when they were talking about something that was amateurish, that word kept coming up. Yeah. So they were talking specifically about the Australian guy who was not paying attention right. to the man going fast in front of right. him. Right. Right. Okay. Because, um, you know, there's, there's only so, you know, there's, there's of course a lot of space on the track in the velodrome, but there's mm-hmm. not a lot of, of space that's useful in a short race like this with other people, right? You can go. Because it's, um, it's raked, right? right. It's, yes. it's angled down. Yes, it's angled. Um, so not only is it a circle, it's like a, it's almost like a cone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there are plenty of riders who will, who will ride up to the top, the outer rim to get that like boost from gravity going back down. But in a short race like this, it's hard to do that and catch back up. Like you lose enough ground going up. That's hard to catch up going back down. And then depending on how this guy, um, how Glatzer like physically held himself, was he going, you know, back and forth trying to prevent people from passing him, which meant that they then also couldn't catch up to, um, what did I say? His name was Kenny. Yeah. 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 Um, Up ahead. Okay. So. uh, So do they think that was intentional on the Australian? No, I don't think so. Part? Okay. All right. Well, I understand that a little bit better now. (laughs) Yeah. No, it wasn't. The surprise wasn't, oh, Kenny real fast. (laughs) 
<laughs> the surprise was he shouldn't have won by as much as he did. Yeah, because he won by a lot. Yeah. yeah. And it just seemed baffling to me why, okay, that man's going fast. Why everybody else go slow? <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you, Rebecca. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else about cycling? I'm sure you watched more of it than I did. I did watch a bunch. One of my favorite things to watch is the the team time trials. I don't know if you mm-hmm. watched any mm-hmm. of that. That mm-hmm. used to be a feature in the Tour de France, and I miss it because it was it was always so fun to watch. Like in the Tour, your team is nine nine riders, and so all nine of you have to ride together to the finish line, and they take the time of like the top five guys or whatever. In Track cycling, at least in the Olympics, it's a team of four, and they take the time of the top three, I think. Um, Might even be the top two. Um, But so they have two teams going at the same time. It's not just one team on the track. It's on the, the long ends of the track on either side in the middle. They start a team. So there are two teams going around the track at the same time, like essentially chasing each other. Um... And the race ends either after the number of meters you're supposed to race or if one team passes another team. So this is the incentive to keep your whole team intact and keep your your three guys together. Because if the mm-hmm. last guy gets passed, then your whole team is done. So it's just it's just fascinating to watch. I just and then I watched a bunch of the um, individual sprint events. And I had forgotten, like, I know I talked about it in the episode, how it's an issue, how it's a thing of strategy, but I'd forgotten how that strategy looked playing out. Mm -hmm. So this would be two riders against each other, and they actually start on the the outer edge of the velodrome. They start up high, um, and they're like... Your, your coach is up there holding your bike, so you have both your feet on your bike and your hands on your bike. You don't have to, you know, clip in or anything like that, and then the buzzer goes and you go. And in a sprint event, you expect them to immediately just, like, and go. But they don't yeah. do that in the I in did the actually see sprint. one of that. I think it, it might have been a, a medal match between a, a Canadian woman and a, a Ukrainian woman. Yeah. And so they so like, I did see a little bit of that that jockeying. Yeah, and so they have a rule that you have to at least go faster than a walk. But like, <laughs> you can go real slow in that beginning part. It did look like they were going real very slow. slow and almost yeah. like uh, almost like twisting and turning, like they're going to fall over because they're going so slow. And yeah. it's that whole like you you want to make sure that you control the race. And so you don't necessarily want to be the first person out in front because then you have to keep turning your head and looking behind you to see what the other person is doing. Um, You know, if you're the person behind, you're waiting for that person in front of you to turn their head back to the front so you can, like, jump and make a move. Um, So I'd forgotten what that, like, posturing looked like. But it's so entertaining. I think that was all I really had to say about Cycling. I mean, I could I probably wonder, talk more. So, but. for those races, I don't remember because I don't, I think I only saw one of them. Does time ultimately not it, a factor? It is a factor. That's another one where they only count your time for the last like two laps. Okay. So, okay, so that would make sense. So, if you got a world record in that, it you know, it wouldn't be because you started right at the beginning, right. you know, as fast as you possibly could. Right. And in fact, if you started as fast as you probably could you might end up losing depending on, you know, the skill level or whatever, because you haven't conserved enough energy to make it all the way through the sprint. 
Right. I mean, it, it, really, be... it really depends on who, who the cyclist is you're talking about. Because, like, yeah. the, the um, individual um, sprint events were pretty short in this. But, like, mm-hmm. there are guys who sprint, again, you know, the Tour de France is where I do most of my cycling watching. There, there are guys who sprint all out for an individual time trial in the tour, and that's, like, 45 minutes to an hour long. So it certainly can be done, but apparently it's just not done in track yeah, cycling. that's interesting. I wonder why that's a thing in, in bike racing and not in track and field, you know? Yeah. yeah that's I a don't good know. question. All right. Well, thank you for that update on cycling, Rebecca. Yep. Um, let's see. What else? Well, softball, uh, that seems like it was about a month ago at this point, but it, it wasn't. Really it was just at the very, <laughs> very beginning. Um, it was nice. Uh, Nancy and I took a uh, faux Comic-Con vacation and ended up watching some of the, the beginning of the Olympics on some very <laughs> big screen TVs in the Airbnb. Huge screen Huge. TVs. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like the size of my wingspan. Um <laughs> In HD, so that was pretty cool to watch some some softball on that. Um, I don't know how much you guys managed to catch. Um, it turns out international softball, which I had not watched much, if any of, is quite a bit different from college softball, which is most of what I've watched. Um, I'm, first of all, the level of pitching is just, you know, you're looking at, like, each country's very top right, of course. one or two pitchers. So the pitching is just insanely high level, so you don't see as, as many hits. Um, but also, and I was not aware of this, the ball is different for international competition. Oh. It's, it deadens some of the velocity. So even when people were getting hits, they weren't necessarily getting out of the infield. So they weren't able, people weren't able to get on base. And I oh, thought wow. it was interesting because um, the commentators who were, I believe, both themselves um, former Olympic softball players or, you know, played on the national team, um, were very... And I think they only said this once or twice, but they were like, oh, yeah, it, it has to be that way. It would be very unsafe if you used a college-level softball at this level. Very unsafe. And on the one hand, they're obviously the experts here. And, you know, I... I <laughs> However... Judgment. Um, and, you know, I'm also, in general, on the side of safety, you know. Um, but it was not clear to me why it was necessary that we make the girls ball a little less bouncy when it was clear there were no such, there's no such concern for Uh the men who are playing the same level of base. And I mean, I I don't want to even say the same level of baseball because that's another interesting thing in that MLB players, players who have a current MLB contract are not allowed to go to the Olympics, which I believe is on the MLB's part of them saying, no, we're going to keep going on the season you yep. know, during, and so we not, we're not letting you out of your contract for two weeks so you can go to another country and play baseball. Yeah, the NHL so does that So in that too. sense, you don't necessarily have the very top pitchers or the very top other players. Um, and so in that sense, the uh, Olympic baseball was a little bit more like college baseball in that sense because you had a little bit more uh, offensive action, a little, you know, a few more hits, things like that. But I was just wondering why it would be that it was so unsafe for, you know, the women who've played at a college level, which is still a very high level of yeah. softball. And, I mean, yes, it, it, 
pitchers do unfortunately get hit with balls hit right back at them. Some of them you'll see, especially at the college level. I think there was one or two pitchers who did it at the Olympics, not for the U.S. or Japan, but wore the um, the face mask. Mm, which that's smart. Um, yeah, it's a um, it's it's not a really you know big mask. It doesn't it's meant not to block your vision, but it's enough that a softball cannot come in and hit you in the face, especially in the area of the eyes. Always which as as speaking as somebody who has been hit in the face with the softball, yes, ain't a good time. I think you need one of those because I think it would make you feel a little bit better while we're playing softball. Um, I have no idea how expensive they are. But um, yeah, so that was kind of my thoughts on watching softball. Unfortunately, uh, the uh, while the U.S. beat Japan in the, um, the preliminary rounds uh, and met back up with them for the gold medal game, the Japanese won the gold medal game, both in baseball and softball, which is yeah. pretty interesting. Um, the frustrating thing was, you know, how it is when, like, they've played two games. U.S. won one, Japan won the other. Why not a third game? I want to know who wins best two out of three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, why not? If they, how did they choose who won? Total score? Um, it was, because it, it was the gold medal game. Right. Oh, so every team, where it was every the, team played course. every other team right. in the preliminary rounds. And then it was just top four yeah. records went to the, the games. The, the uh, medal games, excuse me. So, um... Canada and I think Australia, again, this was at least a month ago, right? <laughs> um, played for the bronze medal, and I believe Canada won the, the bronze medal, and then um, U.S. and Japan played for the gold. Uh, Japan won that game, so they won gold. Gotcha. U.S. won silver. But the U.S. Um, won in the preliminaries? In the preliminaries, That's what, okay. yeah. That's, I, so, I wasn't getting what you meant about the two games, but now I, now yeah. I get it. Yeah, so um, I wish there had been a third game, and especially it was especially frustrating knowing that softball is not going to be at the Paris Olympics, and hopefully it will be at the LA Olympics in 2028, but they don't know, so it was kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, it'd been so long since, and yeah. Japan won the silver in, what was it, Beijing, the last time softball was played at the Olympics, and we don't know when it's going to be played next, so... I was a little sad for them. But again, yeah. it's a silver medal. That's you pretty know. amazing. They did great. And they, they beat the Japanese in the, the last game. So it was they were very well-matched teams. Japan had a phenomenal pitcher that the U.S. just couldn't figure out. Um, U.S. also had amazing pitching. which And I thought that the, the coach pulled the starting pitcher too soon. But that's just me. <laughs> I'm not in charge. Well, I mean, on the plus side of not having this sport in the next Olympics... It means they get to be the reigning champions for four years longer. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, they probably don't care about that. Yeah. And it was interesting how much the coach seemed to rely on the veteran players, which I thought was really interesting. The two or three, I guess, new players hardly got any any time to play at all, which I think they would have gotten more if, because the U.S. kind of struggled offensively the whole time. Mm. There was never a game where they jumped out to a clear lead and kept it. Um, a, a clear lead at all. Their games were decided by, you know, one to three runs. Um, and they they held a lot of teams to one or zero runs, but they never, you know, jumped out offensively. Right. I think the, the less experienced players would have gotten some more experience had that happened. Um, but so that meant that they were relying on players that were in their 30s, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, that's practically then, dead um, for an athlete. <laughs> I know, well, right? But that's a thing that's changed so much. It, there yeah. were really so has. many especially women in these Olympics who were quote unquote older. And I, that was one of my favorite things actually was like how many 
I heard it talked about in the synchronized swimming, in the gymnastics, in the track and field. Yeah. Like how many of these, both men and women, but especially the women, were there in their 30s to 40s competing at the highest levels and winning at the highest levels and also how many of them had retired had children and then decided they weren't actually done after all which i love that we're enabling athletes at this point to make that decision yeah because it's so much used to be you know First of all, decided especially for you. decided for you and decided when you were 20 and also decided if you wanted to have a family or a career, that was it. You know, it was yeah. an either or. And it, that really feels like it's changing, too. And that makes me really happy. Well, and I think I think we need to thank Allison Felix for some of that in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's the whole thing with Nike where she mm-hmm. got um, she she got pregnant. Um, yeah. There's got to be a better way of saying that. Like she was, she was with, like, I want to, I saying she got pregnant sounds so passive. Right. She decided to have a child. Thank you. That's better. (laughs) Um, Yeah. She decided to have a child and Nike was not going to pay her because she couldn't do like events They gave her a 70% pay cut. Yeah. Which is effectively, they're not going to pay her. Yeah. yeah and she's yeah. like, yeah. fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, there's a more elegant and eloquent way to tell this story. But well, she wrote is, an entire op-ed about it, which is Allison actually a Felix. great read. Yeah. 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 And I know uh, Misty May and Carrie Walsh, though they're um, not retired now, but they're they're not playing at the, like... Olympic level. Olympic level at the moment. Um, but they, they both um did the same had kids yeah and then came back yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well and there were when we were watching i was watching the the artistic swimming the synchronized swimming um and one of so the russians won which is par for the course for for that dis, for that sport um but their lead their most decorated synchronized swimmer uh whose name is svetlana i don't remember her last name uh I think retired twice and kept coming back and had a child and several of like a couple of her teammates, at least one of her teammates had a child. Several of the Chinese synchronized swimmers had children and they were talking about, especially for, for that kind of sport, how difficult it was because they would be away from home training at a a training center for, Mm -hmm. for most of the year, you know? And so you have a toddler and you're just gone 300 days, which I, I hit a point where I was like, on the one hand, I'm glad they're talking about how difficult this is and how much we need to support athletes. And, you know, and then at some point I was like, okay, but let's not make this a women only issue because we keep talking yeah. like physically, I understand giving birth changes your body and makes it harder to come back to the level you were. And I'm glad we're talking about that and that you can and that people do mm-hmm. instead of just being like, well, that's it. You've given birth. That's it. <laughs> you know, the dad. end. Right. But at the same time, like in terms of like childcare and being away from your children, like that's not a physical issue. And we should be talking about how hard that is as a parent, not how hard that is as a mother. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was kind of getting annoyed at some of that. But at least they're, you know, I feel it still feels like progress that it's happening at all and that they're talking about it at all and all of that. So, yeah. 
All right. Well, I'll just say on the subject of volleyball, I don't have a ton to talk about on that, but I watched a bunch of volleyball, both beach and uh, indoor. And congratulations to the women's beach volleyball and women's indoor volleyball teams. They killed it. Both of whom won gold. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Um, And it was neat having seen some of the athletes. There weren't as many as I thought, but like um, in the the AU season, the Athletes Unlimited Mm -hmm. season, especially Jordan Larson who was clearly one of the leaders in the Athletes Unlimited and, you know, was the team captain of the the U.S. national team and, you know, just so much of a leader. And um, Mm -hmm. she and one other uh, player, uh, Faluka Akinradenwo, had um, played in London, Rio, and now Tokyo and got bronze, silver, and now gold. So they have the whole spectrum. That's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, the uh, April Ross of April and Alex, who are the the A team that won the, mm-hmm. the beach volleyball medal, she also has the full spectrum, which I think that's pretty cool. She it got is. one of each. Yeah, Suni Lee also got one of each, and I just feel oh, like, yeah, she does. Yeah, I just yeah. I think that's so like I feel like if I were an athlete, like obviously three gold medals is great. Like you you're not gonna turn that down. <laughs> but I feel like it would be fun to have one of each to just be like here they yeah. all are, you know. Yeah, it appeals to the. The, the orders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, completionist. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So what other sports do we want to talk about? Well, I have some some various people I want to shout out. I don't know if it's quite qualifies okay, as talking about fine. the sport itself. But um, the I, I watched a lot of the women's track and field in particular. Um, and the four American women track stars, not they weren't the only women's track stars, but the four in particular who ran uh, a lot of the races, including hurdles uh, and some of the sprint races and the women's four by 400, which if you did not watch that race, you need to go and watch that race because it's amazing, uh, includes Allison Felix, uh, who's incredible and is now the most decorated American track and field athlete in Olympic history. Yep. Uh, male or female uh, she's got 11 medals Uh, Sydney McLaughlin uh, who's who set a world record like shaved half a second off her own world record that she set like six weeks ago which is (laughs) wow absurd Uh, Dalila Muhammad who is also an incredible sprinter and hurdler and goes back and forth on these records with Sydney McLaughlin um, and then a thing Mo, who is sort of the the nineteen year old up and coming star, those four women ran in the four by four hundred, and it was amazing. And especially the final leg of it, because it's a relay, and they gave it to a thing Mo, and she just takes off. Like I think she, I want to, I can't remember how much she beat the second place by but it's like they're running along and she crosses the finish line and by the time two and three cross the finish line like she's out of screen (laughs) you know like yeah um so that was incredible watching them all do their individual things was just phenomenal um rebecca you were talking about cycling strategy and it was making me think of the women's 10k which was really interesting Mm -hmm. strategy wise um, because there was a lot of that. The the woman who was defending gold started out and set a really brutal pace for basically the whole time, hoping to sort of 
wear some people out. Yeah, because it was the, the one of the main things they talked about with track and field, though they talked about it a lot with the volleyball and the soccer too, was the heat and humidity in yeah. Tokyo. Mm -hmm. It was like yeah. 95 degrees and 95% humidity. And so for a 10K... Much like D.C. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say. No, like, it's I'm true. Not, I'm not doing 10Ks by any stretch of the right. imagination. But right. like... I'm very yeah. familiar with that weather. You walk outside and you start sweating. Yeah, I yeah, no, it's I disgusting. Just, yeah, it's like awful. I made a joke about the athletes being soft, which I don't actually believe. Right. But I just like kept hearing about, oh, it's this horrible yeah, heat I and horrible humidity, and these people have to go to Orlando to heat and humidity train. Uh -huh. And I'm just thinking back to Growing every up. mile I ever ran in PE. Yep, yeah. all the time. You know, all the softball practices outside where yep. that's not special training. That's normal life. That's yep. gym yeah. class. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. We used to do marching band in August in mm -hmm. Southern Illinois in hundred degree weather and ninety percent humidity in yep. our ankle to to wrist length wool navy uniforms. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I I feel yeah. you, Olympic athletes. I feel you, but. You know, it's a, it can be a real health concern, oh, as we all absolutely. know. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you're, if you're not used to that weather. Yeah, it's even, a big difference. Like, yeah. even if you're not used to that weather and you're a normal, non-Olympic athlete. Yeah. Human. Yeah. That's, that can be hard to manage. I mean, yeah, like, really I've lived here my whole life and there's some yeah. days in the summer where I step outside and I can't breathe because it feels yep. like I'm breathing in water. Yep. So yeah, that's not yeah. meant to diminish no, 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 no. The, I understand. the exertion and the exhaustion caused by yeah. that weather. But so the, the lead lead runner on the 10K sets out and, and you know, it's a strategy, especially, especially in the longer races to sort of like all run in a tight little group and then everybody sort of saves themselves for the end when you give a big, they call it a kick. You yep. give your kick and then you try to pass everybody and it becomes sort of a free-for-all to the finish yep. so the lead girl uh lead woman was trying to i don't know how she, how old she is but <laughs> she's defending a gold medal she's probably a woman and not a girl um she uh set a really brutal pace trying to sort of wear people out and keep them from having that kick mm -hmm. and she did a really good job but then at one point she started sort of slowing down to try and make somebody else take the lead mm -hmm. and they just were not having it and it was such interesting strategy to see them just very doggedly sticking behind mm -hmm. her nobody else wanting to do that work mm -hmm. and then sure enough they got to the end and her strategy backfired. She had kind of worn herself out. Yep. And two other runners just zipped right past her. Mm. Um, and I don't remember the country that ended up winning the gold, but silver was Bahrain, which I thought was super cool. And then... Um, yeah, it's always cool when, you know, smaller mm -hmm, nations exactly. don't often have big teams. And, and then our, our defender ended up in with the bronze. Um so I thought strategy-wise, that was really interesting. I've never really analyzed the strategy of running. So that was fascinating to sort of watch it play out. You, um, do, you do see that exact strategy mm -hmm. in long-distance mm -hmm. cycling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're swimming, if you're Katie Ledecky, you just get out to a huge lead and keep oh the my gosh. huge lead the whole way. Yeah. But uh, she's Fucking just... Katie Ledecky is amazing. An that actual was... fish. Yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah. Incredible. Um. Speed canoe. I caught speed canoe, which I did not know was a thing. 
Uh, it was super fun. It's the only Olympic sport I've ever looked at and gone, I could actually imagine doing that. Like I could really, you know, and like being successful at it. Um, so now I kind of want to try it. I don't know if speed canoe so is a there thing was, around Was there here. like a whitewater canoe too? Because I missed all the canoeing. I don't, if there was, I didn't hear about it. My mom saw something she calls frantic canoeing. That's probably the speed canoeing. That's that probably she, what that was. Okay. She couldn't watch for very long because it triggered her vertigo. So, oh, no. oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Maybe there's that's, canoe that's her... slalom that that might be. Yeah. I, I don't know. She just called it frantic canoeing and it's her least favorite Olympics. Sport. That might be. Sorry, mom. That might be slalom canoeing because because I don't think speed canoeing would have triggered her vertigo. They just go in a straight line. Um, I caught the replay of the gold medal wrestling match uh, with American champion. I don't know if it's. Tamara, Tamira, Tamira, Mensa Stock. She's amazing. And like, they did a whole interview with her and she seems like the world's sweetest person. And then she goes out and like, you see her game face <laughs> and I'm just like, oh shit. It was just so inspirational to see her her interview like she seems so cheerful and bubbly and she jokes about like oh yeah i got into wrestling because i like to hug people i just hug too hard and, <laughs> oh. and then she's like pounding people into yes. the mat and like <laughs> she's hugging them real hard on that mat. <laughs> so I, I totally stan her now she seemed terrific and like burst into tears when she won and was like she just seems like a cinnamon roll and i just love her to death That's adorable. um yeah, you got to look her up and watch that match and then like watch the interview with her. She is just just a national treasure, I think. Um, the Egypt won the first women's gold medal in karate, I believe it was, uh, an Egyptian woman, which was super cool. And there was a mm -hmm. video of her family watching the match, which was great. Her, her relatives are losing their minds and it's so good oh yeah, I, I missed all the karate i have to go back and watch that yeah you should watch that one that was that was good i enjoyed um how many families they had yeah like, i i had the watch parties up. yeah i struggled with that because on the one hand it was really fun to see the reactions and on the other hand i all i could think was super spreader event yeah the, oh, the, the fact that they gathered so many yeah. people yeah. in Universal orlando yeah. was just like yeah uh, well they're in florida they already are they already have it that's true <laughs> sorry Rachel. everybody in florida has it <laughs> yeah they sure do uh all the smaller countries getting first medals this seemed to be happening in every single sport where it was just like you know, I know in gymnastics, there were there were firsts in swimming, there were firsts in track and field, there were first. And I love that there are more countries becoming competitive. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah. it, you know, historically, it's been, you know, the same big 10 or 15 getting most of the medals and every so often you get something right. Yeah. But, it, yeah. you know, like Bahrain winning a track and now maybe I don't know, maybe they have a really strong track program. And that's normal. But I feel like it's not one I hear about a lot or like, Loved, and there were a lot of them. Like, I think yeah. uh, Armenia won their first men's gymnastics medal this year. It, you know, just... Yeah. It's cool. It's, it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, this isn't this isn't a first, but I don't know. It. I think it's slightly related. I loved the um, the three Jamaican women who yeah, won they gold, were silver, great. bronze. Yeah, that was amazing. Swept that was so cool. Yeah, that was terrific. Yeah. Was that one of the track and field races? Yeah. Yeah, because I saw a lot of the Jamaican women doing well, but I must have missed that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. race. Yeah, they did. 
Uh, Raven Saunders, silver medalist. Uh, and also she was the one who did the crossed arms on the podium. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. And she's talked about it since. Um, we already talked about Nonaka Miho. I, I really enjoyed her. Uh, the fucking U.S. women's basketball team <laughs> has now been winning gold medals literally longer than three of the players on the team have been alive. <laughs> which I think is pretty spectacular. Uh, also, yep. Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird have now won their fifth Olympic gold medal in basketball, which no one else has ever done, men or women. Where do you even put them at that point? I mean, if Sue Bird doesn't I mean, have an entire well. shed dedicated to medals, somebody <laughs> needs to get her one. Um, because it's fucking Sue Bird. Um, also, I don't know if you guys caught the interview with Megan Rapino, who snuck in to the women's gold medal basketball game. But it was... I did hear that she snuck in, but I didn't see that. She the snuck interview. in. Um, so apparently, so if anybody doesn't know, Megan Rapino is a U.S women's soccer player and she's engaged to sue bird who is the goat of u.s women's basketball um and they apparently met at the olympics in 2016 i didn't know that and so they were super bummed that they were gonna not be able to watch each other's gold medal games this year uh so megan rapino because soccer was already done snuck into the gold medal basketball game with press credentials apparently (laughs) and then had to give a bunch of interviews (laughs) i mean you know what that's probably a good trade-off for her (laughs) yep legit um and there's a terrific photo of when sue bird looks up and catches that megan rapino is in the stands and the look on her (laughs) face would like melt hearts the world over it's amazing and then you know like afterward so 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 cute brings me to another kind of uh hilarious thing uh so lesbians in sports right in women's sports it's a thing i I was googling this because are you sure yeah kyle (laughs) kyle said to me so is literally the entire u.s women's basketball team gay and i said i don't know but probably close um and on average it's about 60 percent of female athletes in women's sports are are gay or queer apparently in some form uh so but there's a lot of cross team relationships Mm -hmm. and one of them is are between soccer players for australia and the u.s sam kerr and christy mewis and photos of them were so yeah (laughs) yeah so uh team usa ran a whole spread about um good competitive yeah sportsmanship and kindness i think it was well it's not what they said but yes sportspersonship uh and kindness and athletes supporting each other during the games and there were you know like there was the photo of the two high jump guys who both want who decided to share gold hanging the gold medals around each other's necks and then there's a photo of sam kerr and christy mewis like hugging each other on the pitch after the game and it's like one of these things is not <laughs> like the other 
So yeah, what was it? Some I think you retweeted. It was like I'd love to see such uh such support. Good yeah. If only I'd seen such models of sportsmanship <laughs> yes. when I was younger, I would have realized that I was a sportsman much earlier. Exactly. In my life. Yes. There were there were a lot of good tweets about all of that and Although, a lot of yeah. good threads. Has, has anyone checked Ao3 to see if that is not yet a thing? Oh, it 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 should be. I'm sure it is. <laughs> sportsmanship yeah so that was um and there's i mean it, it gets into a whole thing about how you know lesbians who are in relationships with each other often get mistaken for friends um which yeah. is why there's a podcast called gal pal <laughs> sports because <laughs> uh, it's run by women who i get i think they're married um but everybody thinks they're gal pals so <laughs> So well, I mean, they are in some sense, but that's sure. that's for for a different episode. <laughs> it is, yeah, true. Sam Kerr and Christy Mewis, gal pals, um, showing great <laughs> support across teams. Uh, um, so I I did want to talk, um, Nancy. You you asked me a question at some point during the Olympics about the medals themselves. Oh, I did. Yeah, yes. yeah. So I one of the question was. What happens to the medals that aren't given out? Mm, and I have not yes. actually found an answer to that question yet. Ha. Unfortunately. However. Did you find out for sure? Because I'm sure they have to have spares, right? Did you find anything confirming that they have so I spares did, sitting around? Yeah, I did find that they make about 5,000 medals total. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, so I was going to, I was going to try to do like a comparison between how many gold, silvers, bronzes they make mm-hmm. versus how many were given out. Yeah. But the medal counts that we get from the Olympics websites are not great and they're not no. easy to add because, True. for example, the women's soccer team won bronze. That counts right. as one medal. Right. But when we're talking about like the physical, physical. medals themselves, mm-hmm. right. obviously it's there like are more of them. Yeah. 18 or something. Yeah. Right. Right. But one of the cool things that I found out is that for a number of years now, the metals have been made of recycled metal oh, from that's cool. the country that is hosting the Olympics. And normally, yeah, I heard something for Tokyo. I yeah, was normally jumping on your game, yeah. but they were recycled cell phone parts. Is yeah, that true? Yeah, um, that's awesome. So from twenty, like for two years, um, they were asking uh, residents of Japan to recycle old electronic stuff like smartphones and laptops. Um, and basically the, um, up to 90% of Japanese cities, towns, and villages participated by setting up donation pickup sites where hundreds of thousands of people donated their devices. Hmm. Um, so the program, the, the campaign, produced about 70 pounds of gold, 7,700 pounds of silver, and 4,800 pounds of bronze from nearly 80 tons of small electrical devices. Wow. Um, And this is from an article on, oh, it's a German, Deutsche Welle, which I think is (laughs) Dutch world, German world, something like that. You'd have to spell it for me. Yeah. Um, So... The metals, the metals were made entirely of recycled metal um, <laughs> this year. And in prior years, it hasn't been the whole metal 
but parts of it have been from recycled materials. Hmm. Um, also, the, the gold medal, I think most people know this, is not all gold anymore. It right, used yeah. to be all gold, which is why you would see athletes like trying to make a tooth mark in it because gold yeah. is so yeah. soft that... Um, and I always think they're making sure it's not chocolate under there. <laughs> That's what I always think of, too. Yeah. Um, and now they're largely gold-plated silver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the bronze are not actually made of bronze. They're made of brass, I believe. Um, yeah, the bronze metals are 95% copper and 5% zinc, which is, mm-hmm. which is brass. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I thought copper was pretty expensive these days. Well, but they didn't buy it. It's all, it, it was entirely well, recycled. True. And it's, I mean, at least this year. common metal in electronics. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then the, the ribbons that the metals hang off of are also unique each Olympics. Like the one that happened in, um, the, the fabric that, the Tokyo Olympics medals hang on might be some like traditionally Japanese um, fabric. Mm-hmm. That would right. make sense. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then the last thing. Yeah. So, so I did not find your answer, Nancy. I don't know what happens to them afterwards. Um, but given that they, made them out of recycled materials i've got to imagine they have a plan for recycling them again into something else i think i think they must keep some of them too i'm sure they keep some of them i i read a and uh just like a throwaway you know interest piece or something talking about how one of the uh, one of the olympians had previously meddled and then I think it was her house burned down or something like that or got robbed and she lost all of her medals. Oh, they were able to give her They spares? were able to replace them nice. with the ones from that games too. Wow. So they must, I mean, yeah. for reasons, you know, even if they're just keeping 20 in a safe somewhere, like they must right. <laughs> yeah. hang on to them for reasons like that too. Yeah. 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 Um, and now because we're here and I'm talking about medals, I have to, I have to, do a brag mm. that a couple of years ago, Brittany and I got to go to a hockey game. That was the a stadium series game in Annapolis. Mm-hmm. And it had a whole bunch of like lead up behind the stage behind backstage is the word for it <laughs> behind the scenes backstage stuff. And we got to meet the men's and women's curling teams from the last winter Olympics. Mm -hmm. And we actually got to take a photo with the men's team wearing their, like we got to wear their gold medals. Mm -hmm. And that thing was heavy. Yeah. That thing was heavy, but that was just such a cool experience. Like I knew nothing about curling. I mean, I know Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's infinitesimately more, than, yeah. than nothing now. But that was just such a cool experience. And I suspect I will never again in my life have a chance to hold an Olympic medal because I'm yeah. certainly not winning one anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I win in speed canoeing next time, I will let you hold my medal. Thank you. Hooray! I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this has been a fun little Olympic sampler platter to kind of and uh, end this Olympic season, which we will revisit six months from now. Mm-hmm. 
um, with plenty more. Do we know stuff how long NBC is keeping those videos up? Because like, there's a lot of stuff worth watching, even if you didn't catch it as it was happening. Yeah, I, I've wondered that too. Um, I haven't seen okay. anything about it, and Just I've wondered. not looked it up yet. And that's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, probably want to watch it as soon as possible. Yeah, so for don't sure. take the videos away. Yeah. Okay, well, Rebecca, would you like to tell the people where they can find us? I would love to. Um, so we are most often on Twitter at FoulPuckPod and Instagram at FoulPuckPodcast. You can always email us at FoulPuckPodcast at gmail.com. And our website is FoulPuckPodcast.net. Thank you. And we would like to thank Joe for doing our editing as well as Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our music. And I would like to encourage everybody, if you haven't yet, to take a listen to our Olympic primers because we had a really fun time and I was honestly impressed with how useful they ended up being. Yeah, I, me too. we really nailed that one, huh? We did. I definitely was watching things and like, oh, I know what they're doing here because Rebecca explained it or Rachel I, told me what to look for here. I, I finally had people in my like friend social circle actually listening because they Amazing. were short little things. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> so yes, give the minis a listen. Give the minis a listen and then give us a, a rating or review, hopefully a good one. Uh, and tell your friends because we're gonna we're going to keep plugging away at this and we've got more stuff to talk about this fall and we're taking requests i saw uh we put a, a request thing up on our instagram for other sports to get into and i <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. i have i have no sports until hockey starts in my September. family is already baseball. on top of it baseball. you know the wnba is season is still going and so oh. is the national women's soccer league so i have sports i don't know okay. about you <laughs> Um, but anyway, rate, review, tune in again. We've really enjoyed this Olympics and we hope everybody else has too. Yeah. All right. Well, for uh, Rebecca and Nancy, I have been Rachel and we will see you next time. <laughs>